Hello, No Code Nation. I'm Ayush, and you're listening to my No Code Story. And this is not your typical entrepreneurship podcast. Here, you get to listen to real people who are building cool stuff, all without writing a single line of code. This is the future of independent entrepreneurship, and you have a front row seat. Today's episode is an inspiration for solo founders and small teams. I speak with the founder of Doric.com, Mizan, and he talks about how a small four-person team from Bangladesh built one of the fastest growing website builders. This is a website builder I personally use, and the team looks like they're just getting started. Mizan is humble and inspirational all at once. This is one you don't want to miss. Check it out. I always say customer support is the main thing. You are basically talking to the customer, understanding where they're struggling. And this experience will help to shape the platform for the future. Doric right now, it was like maybe 25% feature when we gave fast access to our beta users. There was no autosave. There's like lots of basic things were missing that time. So you can guess how, right. how early we launched. So this is like the very important lesson for us. We should have launched really early. There's like huge credit to the Knockout community on Twitter. Nobody knew us before and everyone like accepted us like they know us for months years and it was like huge positive it's so so like it helped us motivated us gave us confidence let's get into it here's my conversation with mizan hi i am mizan this is my knockout story Mizan, thank you so much for taking the time. And this is a very interesting episode for me and, and very close to my heart because both of the websites that I run are on Doric and you're the founder of Doric and I'm really glad to have you on here. I really think you guys are doing something special with the product. Thanks, first of all, for taking the time. I know it's late where you are, but we're really glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. and. We are also happy to have you as a customer. And when you requested me and invited me here, I was really trying to come here and share our stories. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is lesson number one for founders is to really try to know your customers and try to you know be as embedded into the community as you possibly can. And I think you're, you're kind of leading by example there. I want to know where all of this started. So tell us a little bit about your background prior to starting Doric. So I was building website templates, basically, <laughs> but my website building passion started way back in like 2006 and five, actually, when I first got access to the internet and first thing came into my mind when I saw people building websites with their name, I just want to put my name there. So the knockout journey started there. I figured out building website from mobile phone that time and then started learning coding from 2000. 11 10 11 i started like working as a front-end developer and i also started learning a little bit about back-end development too and wordpress and from 2013 i started learning design and ux 
And from 2014, I started building website templates and selling them on different marketplaces. It was basically HTML because I was not really expert in WordPress. So I was mostly selling the rights to WordPress theme companies for my templates because my templates okay. were very popular. And from there, actually, the need of building a website came in front of me. And my co-founder also joined later in my theme forest journey. And that time, like around 2016, website builder were rising and HTML, CSS template were kind of not getting so much sales because nobody wanted to edit the code to change something, change color or anything. Right. So we tried, but our technical skill was not there to build a platform like this. So we tried and we failed and we integrated the third party website builder. That builder also stopped development after six months. So it just like put an end to our journey there, but going a website builder and website building platform because we were constantly receiving requests from our template users. Like we love your designs and can we get something that uh, we can edit those design or those template easily. So from there we started like uh, trying, okay, let's give it another try, like around mid 2019. Right. That's where again, we started from zero and figured out we can do it this time. What do you think was different from a technology standpoint in 2019 versus 2014, 2015, when you were still selling website templates? Has the landscape changed in terms of building this stuff? I think now is kind of uh, similar from 14 was different maybe, but 16, 17 and 19 was kind of similar, but two things were like different like our idea was different and our technical skill so the idea part was the main obstacle i'll say the idea initially was much bigger like we will build something that's like something like ai that could edit any type of templates around the world so but it was not it's still not like technically yeah it's maybe possible someone may build it but it was not technically possible for our skill and the way HTML CSS works, it does not make sense always to. That, that's really interesting. So your original vision was to build an AI enabled website builder that basically picked the best templates based on, I guess, some kind of a use case, similar to how OpenAI enabled software generates copy right now, marketing copy based on keywords and example text and so on. Not like that, but it's what uh, we will code the templates and builder can can edit those templates for the user. Like users can open the template ah, on the okay. builder. And so we can provide any type of template to the builder. Like does not matter how much complex, how much advanced it is. It can uh, recognize that and edit the, the template. But it was not a not the best idea for two reasons. It was not that scalable in a way because regularly we have to check when we release a new template and we have to check if builder supporting it or not. And if not, and right. if, we, if we make any change to the builder, we have to also consider if it's breaking any other like 20 more templates or not. So once it gets bigger, it would be impossible to maintain it. So the idea was not really great, I'll say. But that time it felt like it was the way to do it. Interesting. So so then when you started to build this in 2019, I know you guys had a unique path where you, you did a launch on Product Hunt, really well received. 
you also were giving away some kind of an early bird offer. So uh, did you consciously start to you know, build an audience or cultivate that type of early user base? Or was this something that uh, just happened as a matter of chance? So initially, main focus was building the product. Also, like how the builder should work. So I used like 50, 60 website builders so I can decide which path we should take. We did not want it to stay limited to our just template user or something like that because we did not want to go back to Team Forest or so we wanted to like tap into the no code and future markets. So right. after researching, we decided we'll build something that is a right mix of easy to use, also flexibility where like it's easy to start, like if someone wants to start, they can start with a template or our section blocks and edit the text colors. And if someone wants to customize it as they want in CSS, they can do it. So this is like the main goal we started building, but we did not build any, like we basically we were, I was unknown or my co-founder was totally unknown in the code community. We started uh, in last year, April, we, Build our landing page at doric.com. That time the domain was doric.io. Io, yeah, I remember. And we started like in indie hackers. We were we were going. There was lots of people creating topics. Like I will give suggestion on your landing page. So initially we were more interested in getting feedback on landing page. Like, is there any content uh, not right or something like that? So initially we started like commenting on different topic on indie hackers, and people started. Uh, like giving feedback and more people like started getting interested in the product. That time the builder was not even ready to give the access. <laughs> we just built the homepage right. and, and started collecting the emails. And this way we received like around 280 early access requests in first for maybe two months. And from there we added our pricing plan in July before even like one month before going to product hunt and we have got, got lifetime deal maybe 160 or 70 customers before even going to product hunt because we okay. were we we went viral on twitter and people started right. tweeting us before even going to do product hunt. so this is how it worked yeah it was kind of it was not planned as it is tried to like initially reach our like target audience through main target was product hunt like that what gave us hope because product hunt is like the best free marketing platform you can get anywhere so tell us a little more about your your background prior to starting doric i know you talked about getting introduced to the internet and so on in 2005 and then the whole progression there all this time were you consciously getting trained in coding or tell us uh, more about your journey learning how to build this kind of a product that enables others to create no code tech because a lot of our founders um, may feel like the learning curve is really steep in order to build something that others can use like a product that's not maybe or some kind of a list or, or a compilation or something like that what was your coding knowledge like and and what was the path you took to to be able to build something like Doric? So to be honest, like I have the coding knowledge, but platform, I did not code the platform too much. It's entirely my co-founder because we were kind of separating our tasks so we can do these things. So my task was like 
in designing the platform, how things should work and how the entire platform should work, function will get users, how to get users, everything was my, and my co-founder was fully focused like like the behind the scene codes and everything. But the idea actually came way like in like first 2006, seven when I built my first website. So I used to give away like free wallpapers for mobile phones. So, and it made me feel right. really great because people are using my website to download something that makes me feel. So the, the feeling was always like doing something that other people can use makes me, makes also my co-founder also used to do similar things, almost same per, like a journey for us. I moved to much focused career and he moved to much more coded coding for, but starting was very much identical. This is how I know him. Right. So the goal always was like building, like when I built the template, it was not the money or popularity. Of course, money is important, but when I see people using my templates in their website, it just uh, like, gives different feeling uh, because you are kind of did something that can use and build things on top of it. It's so that's where like the idea and like arch came in and it's actually, you can learn the technical skill to do those things. If you have the like uh, passion for it or like we were totally dedicated, we have to, we will build it some kind of mentality or or we would uh, or we would be like okay it's done let's stop it uh, we were coming back again and again just to like because we are passionate about building something like that so you've been in this space now for what is it with dork is it close to 2 years now okay so if i say no code space i'm here for like 1 year okay. if i remember correctly april 13th was the like first time i shared doric publicly to anyone it right. was on indie hackers before it was like friends and family so you can say it's like perfectly one year right now in the no code okay no code community yeah yeah and 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 the reason i bring that up is because i've noticed that in the past month or two months the pace of adding new features has increased quite rapidly so you've started adding things that people actually have been asking for, like social icons. You added the ability to create 100 domains in, in one of your plans, templates for actually creating e-com style websites and, and so on. How, how do you get feedback? Because I know you maintain an open product roadmap, but how do you get feedback from your users? And what have you learned for other founders out there? What have you learned about getting feedback from users? Um, what's the best way to go about it? So, so public roadmap is like the best way. If you need something, you can go there and upvote it. Also, it helps us to measure about how much uh, like upvotes, how many upvotes each features are getting. But we always try to, when someone requests a feature, I always ask, what is your use case? And do you have any example like where you want to use or you have used or you have seen someone using it? So it gives us an idea about why our user needs this feature. One number two, when we always design the solutions, like we take the feedback what user needs, then we decide which features and how it should work and how many options right. should be there, because we have to think about everyone. And also, yeah, we were a little bit slow in December and January because we are doing some behind the scenes stuff, the platforms for faster development and other things. Also, my co-founder got married that time so he was a little bit off for a few weeks 
So yeah. it's so this uh, this makes us a little bit slower in this. Then we started, we got back in the speed again from last more than two months, and it will be much more faster in upcoming months. You can guess. Yeah, yeah, no, it it's definitely trending that way. I'm looking at the roadmap right now. And you have a ton of features planned. One of the ones I'm looking forward to is the simple blog feature. Because what I did with the podcast website was literally that I was more, I wanted to focus more on creating content that's valuable to people. And there's so much that goes into setting up a podcast that I didn't want to worry about the website portion of it. So I literally took one of your templates and without even, I think, changing the background colors, if I'm right, <laughs> I just went and changed the content and put a landing page together. And then I just built on top of it a little bit. Still, the website's fairly bare bones. What I would like to do for myself is, you know, create a page for every podcast episode and so on, like a simple blog, if you will. Some kind of CMS functionality would, would definitely help. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm sure a lot of people have asked you this. What specifically do you offer that's different to other website builders out there? Because these days there are, and there are specific things that, that attracted me to use Doric, but I want to hear it from your vantage point. There are so many website builders out there today. Uh, the choice is is almost limitless. But what specifically does Doric bring to the table that others don't? As I said, bringing the website build, builder itself, it's like easy to use, also giving the right amount of flexibility. But also together, we are offering templates which can be used fast track. If someone does not like any template, we have like 130 plus UI blocks. So you can simply add five section blocks and you can bring in a website. So sometimes templates complement the website builder. Sometimes website builder is like the complementary to the templates. Sometimes the blocks is like the main attraction to the user. So we try to like combine combine things in one platform. Also, our pricing is really important. We want it as we were selling website templates. Uh, you, there's lots of customers around the world who may not be able to afford Webflow or like paying $20 per month for a website. So we we try to keep it really affordable. So it's our long-term goal also staying affordable. So as many as possible users can build a website. So this like the it's not the one factor it's the combination of factor to be honest we did not expect such a response and it was because there, as you said there's lots of website builder there's no reason to like shout about doric on twitter for what we planned actually provided value to the users and we believe in this and uh, going forward and we are trying to bring more value to the users and and right now just so our listeners can get a sense for it is it basically yourself and your co-founder that are working on this or do you have a broader team as well? I know you're looking to build one in the future, but what does the team look like right now? Uh, right now we have added two more in the team, like one designer in February and one junior designer. We started training from the beginning of the like launch. That's, that's pretty amazing that uh, a small four-person team can build something so useful. What tips do you have for founders in terms of facing obstacles. So maybe start with some of the obstacles that you faced over the course of uh, the last year or so and uh, what what have you learned and what can you share with our audience? So one thing we, I think we missed, uh, like if we could 
we should have launched much more earlier <laughs> so when you when you are working early and did not launch your product there is like sometime it happens like you will have some gaps entire 2019 was like we were working maybe two weeks then not working for three weeks and it was just a side project and you don't know it will work or not so it just delay the project so try to like launch as early as possible with like limited features doric right now it was like maybe 30 percent of the feature when we gave not even 30 percent i think 25 percent feature when we gave fast access to our fast beta users there was no android or there was no autosave there's like lots of basic things were missing that time so you can guess how right. how early we launched because we wanted to see if the users are see thinking like how we were we are thinking so this like the very important lesson for us we should have launched really early and also after that i always say customer support is like the main things in early stage not like just solving the problem for the customer you are basically talking to the customer are understanding where they're struggling and this experience will help to shape the platform for the future because you can get the first-hand experience from your user where they're struggling so customer support is like the most important thing so this is like the two things everyone should uh, focus when building a new product or a startup yeah, and I can kind of vouch for the customer service piece because when you're in Doric app creating websites, you have a small chat window that users can open up to you know ask questions and so on. And the first time I got a response within minutes, I think it was within a minute and a half or something like that, where you immediately started looking, you personally started looking at the the issue that I was facing. And then we, we started digging into some other stuff and so on. But the responsiveness has been really great. As you scale, that's not going to be necessarily easy to achieve. So are you applying some kind of a culture mindset to this as well in terms of how your team approaches customers and service in general so what we'll do uh, yeah i agree with you about the scaling part so there's lots of basic questions comes in and so we'll in the chat chat window we have we will change it uh, it, it there will be an faq section so for the basic question you can just search quickly there inside the widget and you can get the answer there like there's lots of basic questions that we asked i'm giving the support for one year so i know which questions are coming really frequently and those if those answers are there it will just reduce like let's say 70 percent of uh, support message also we'll as we scale we'll hire the support team and i'll try to create the same type of care to the customer to the people i'll hire because that will be the most important than any other technical knowledge or anything it will be like do you have the energy and mindset to support the customers? I will prioritize it always. And entire team will be also, if there's a bug or something that need to be fixed, they'll always try to be like respond, response as fast as possible. Even if we scale, we'll scale the team and tools will implement that can help us to guide, help or support our customers throughout the journey. This is very important priority for us. 
And and it kind of reflects, you mentioned it in passing as you were talking about how the initial surge of users happened on Twitter, how, how things kind of uh, blew up, right? And, and then on Product Hunt. What I noticed just from the outside, because I hadn't started using Doric when you launched it at Product Hunt, I was a little late to the party, so to speak. But the culture of being responsive and being a real person in your responses in public domain seemed to exist since day one. So I say that because I noticed on Product Hunt, for example, you know, immediate responses from your yourself and your co-founder to all the comments that you were receiving, even if someone had issues signing up and, and so on and so forth. So I think that aspect of, is a really simple thing when you're starting out, but something that a lot of people overlook because like you said, in some cases, it's just a side project and people just want to test it out and maybe they're not really allocating the time needed. But even for side projects, being responsive to folks that are are really trying things out and, and working to you know give you some kind of feedback makes a lot of difference in the beginning. Yeah, true. And how I approached it, it's like if your one message or one reply can help one user to become customers, that customer can bring more customer to you. So it's not like, yeah, we can do advertisement and other things, spend money to bring customer. But if if my one message or reply to a tweet works, why we should not use that? And most importantly, why we did it, it's like, it's like connecting with early customers. So we can build things that users are looking for. It's very important or we would have, uh, or we'd be building things that maybe our users are not looking for if we were not well connected with our customers and users because earlier you don't have so much resource you have very limited time and resource so if you right. build a feature for one month then no one is like using it's a huge compared to when you are big and you have big team like you have the resource you can try different things which you can test different things but in earlier stage one month is like is one year in like later stage so this is why we very like highly prioritize customer support and talking to customers. Let's talk a little bit about the no-code space. So you've been involved in the space for about a year now. What have you noticed in the past year in terms of the direction that the space is taking and where it's going to go? Where do you think it's going to go in the next you know, five to 10 years? So I think space is, no-code term is new, but the space existed even like long before. And why I mentioned my 2006 uh, story, because there is a platform, It's it was called when.ru. And if you still go to their like page, they have a line. You don't need the, uh, it's called wen.ru. And, and you can see, what it is, it still has the written. You don't need any technical knowledge or HTML HTML knowledge to build website. Like so, the space existed well before. Like the term coined, like Webflow, Wix, WordPress, all like help lots of people to build website without code. But term started getting popular like around 2017, 18, and really like very popular in like 2019 so i think it has really great future it's like people were before it was like all separated like some calling website builders some for like zapier and yartable those are like platform for different purposes 
and knockout just like bringing all this blood from in like one want uh it's gonna help more people in the future to build things without code maybe lots of people think we need to like learn code to build things but it will help to make it possible for lots of users to build things with without learning code yeah and I, i'm i'm just on win.ru and i translated the site it's in russian i think yeah and the site looks like it was created in the early 90s or something yeah like that. yeah uh, but it it does say that you do not need knowledge in site building wml html design etc and it's a system that allows you to create quite powerful and functional websites directly from your mobile phone absolutely free of charge so it's it's an interesting example that you pulled up I really think you know the space is starting to explore a little bit in terms of the number of companies that are starting to pay attention to allowing users with functional expertise bring that expertise to a wider audience in some way, shape, or form. Uh, that could be both on the enterprise side and and on sort of the direct to consumer side. What are your thoughts about websites versus web apps? Because I know some kind of Airtable integration is on the roadmap. What do you think about enabling people to look at capturing data, manipulating data, and actually creating an app-type experience using Doric? It will be after blog, and the reason blog is taking some time because we like changed the initial idea of simple blog. It won't be just like simple, very limited blog. It will be a fully featured blog. And that will allow us to like in future building a CMS and e-commerce, like using the things we used in blog to build technical things because they, they visually they will look different, but inside it, the structure will be similar. So when CMS is here, anyone can build anything like membership, like collecting dirt data and, and it won't be like bubble. We don't want to be like a programming language level. Right. We just want to give the uh, a good amount of options to the user that can make a like a useful website or web application. Okay, that's great to hear. And and what are uh, some resources that you would recommend to people, not specifically about Doric, as they're thinking about creating their websites using Doric, for example? some resources for founders or for specifically the no-code space that you've come across? So to be honest, I, I specifically, not specific resource, but lots of platform that can help to like those who are first time, first time coming to uh, no-code space like MakerPad. Also there's lots of awesome communities like no-code devs and there's awesome podcasts like no-code, no problem. This platform will help help people to like get basic ideas about how no code works and communities and how and also get stay updated with new tools and new things coming in. So there's no specific resource I would recommend, but rather than the platforms that around no code. Also Twitter, I'll say if anyone need any help related to no code, one tweet like can can help a lot because that no code community on twitter i have to like my because doric here today there's like huge credit to the no code community on twitter nobody knew us before and everyone like accepted us like they know us for 
months, years, and it was like huge positive. It's so, so like it helped us, motivated us, gave us confidence. So Knockout Community on Twitter is like a great place to get any type of help related to Knockout. Yeah, and I can vouch for that as well, being pretty much an outsider into the Knockout space. I think the community has really been championing the cause for a lot of people that want to contribute in, in some way to the space. Um, before we uh, we end the conversation here, give us a little bit of trivia. Where did the name Doric come from and what does it mean? Okay, so Doric actually is not the original word. Original word is with C, Doric, uh, D-O-R-I-C. And, okay. and it's one of the three ancient Greek architecture style. And another two is Ionic and Corinthian. So it's called Doric right. as with C. So we thought it's kind of related to what we are building is because it's related to the yeah, architecture, but we are building something that kind of like web architecture. And we switched the C to K just for like better pronunciation and also getting the domain also like company name. So this is like the story yeah. behind the name. That's interesting. Really something that I, I wouldn't have thought about. My knowledge of Greek is limited as it is. But th- thank you so much, Mizan, for, for being on the podcast. I cannot recommend Doric enough. I think it's uh, something that everyone should try out, especially because you could start something with a Doric subdomain for free and just get a sense for the feature set and so on. And I, I really recommend it wholeheartedly to people, uh, especially with the type of support that you guys are giving all of your customers and the level of attention the public's getting as part of the roadmap. Wish you all the best. And I know there's nothing but blue skies ahead. I really am looking forward to following your journey and, and Doric's journey. Before we leave, why don't you give our audience a quick handoff to where they can learn more about Doric. Maybe if, if they have a question or if they want to contact you, what's the best way to reach you? The best way to reach us is our knocking us on live chat on our website. We are always active there. Also, they can send email to support at doric.com for any help. Also, we have our documentation at help.doric.io. So this is like the places you can get help. And I want to thank you so much for inviting me. I loved uh, sharing these stories and talking with you. It was kind of different experience. Like we have talked with lots of things and wish this, uh, I also wish this podcast will get much more popular because it's going to be helpful for lots of founders and lots of people coming into the no code. So all the best for the future too. And thanks for supporting Doric. And I, I hope you'll keep supporting us in the future too. Yep, absolutely. Thank you, Mizan. Thanks once again. All right, that was the show. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed it and got a ton out of it. If you did, there are two things you need to do. Number one, make sure you subscribe to the show to get notified when a new no-code story drops. And number two, I want to ask you a favor. Who's the one person you know who would absolutely benefit from hearing this story? Text them right now and send them to mynocodestory.com and reference this episode. Maybe they're an entrepreneur, maybe they can use this episode to level up at their job, or maybe they're just someone who loves creating new things. Do it. 
subscribe, and then send them the text. Make a difference. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next one.